Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with another WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, we are about 36 hours past WWE Fastlane and the company picked up in a major way its speed on the road to WrestleMania 37 multiple new matches announced during Raw on Monday night and the Silver King along with our WWE co-host Vintage Chris Vanini is here to break it all down for you along with some extraneous news topics in the WWE universe and plenty still to talk about from Smackdown last Friday. So yes, we have a loaded show for you today, but I would be remiss if I did not remind you to make sure before you listen to this episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast that you listen to our last one, Instant Analysis of WWE Fastlane, posted very late Sunday night, early Monday morning. That is a must-listen-to episode before you listen to this one. Hey, it's all WWE. You got to kind of take you through the journey on Fastlane, our thoughts on that before we talk about Raw. So make sure you listen, go back, and then keep this thing rolling on so we can talk all things WWE as we continue down this beautiful road to WrestleMania 37. Look, there's some business to take care of off the top, but we have a large loaded show for you today. You might even call it a beefy show or a meaty show because that is what we are all about here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So those pieces of business that I mentioned, do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. That's right. Every single review, comment, star rating that you guys gives us helps us grow. We were back into the top 50 wrestling podcasts in North America last week. And that is not only because of all of you listening and telling your friends and family, but because we got a couple new reviews and that helped amp up our profile. So please, I know how many of you listen. I know how many reviews we have on Apple Podcasts. There's still a large gap of you who can leave reviews and hopefully a five-star review because on this show, it is all about the five. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. It's where we release every single episode. We talk about wrestling all week. We share wrestling news and we provide pre and post-show polls on there for all major pay-per-views. That way you can tell us what you think and you can send us DMs at any time that we're gonna read on the show. And guess what? We actually have a bunch of DMs to read on today's show. So you will hear that chime you've come to know and love. From the anonymous Raw general manager, and I guess your Apple computer or iPhone as well, you will hear that plenty on today's show. So with that, let me bring in my co-host, Vintage Chris Benini. We actually got started taping a little bit later than normal today because folks, Chris had to catch a chicken in his garage. This is a real statement I just made. Chris, uh, what the hell's going on over there, man? Yeah, so, yeah, we are recording a little bit later than normal. Uh, Adam said he had some meetings. I said, okay, I've got... That's not why. I, yeah, I've wait, wait, no, I said, I've got some interviews, and then you said you're good to go. And then I said, well, hold on, i got to catch this chicken. So <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been tweeting about this thing for a couple of days, if, if you guys follow me on Twitter. A couple of days ago, I was just leaving the house, getting into the car to go somewhere. It was 6, six o'clock at night. And I get in my car, and I turn and look, and there's this chicken just walking across the front yard of our house. It walks into the bushes, climbs up to the top of the bushes, and just sits at the top. And I was like, well, this is weird. 
It's just a chicken. And I, I live in a somewhat rural part of Texas, so it's not un, uh, uh, unprecedented to see something like that. But but it was so I was like, all right, we got a chicken overnight. So I wake up the next morning and the chicken's still there. And he's like digging around looking like he's hungry. So I give him a couple of pieces of bread. And within a few hours, he's gone. So I was like, all right, that was weird. But he comes back a few hours later and he he suddenly knows me as the food guy. He's like following me places and stuff like that. And I don't know what to do with this thing. I live in a subdivision and, and there's not like there's any farms around us. So we, we have a friend who has some goats and chickens. And I was like, hey, do you want this chicken? She says, yeah, we, we, we can take it if you can catch it. So I set up one of our dog crates to try to lead it in with some food, but it's too smart. It knows it's not going to do that. Get to the end of the day. It goes back into the bushes, climbs up top and sits. That's apparently its nighttime bed spot. So like, all right, I don't know what we're going to do with this chicken now. And the next day, he was really excited to see me again. Knows I'm the food guy. I finally got to lead him into the crate, put him in the crate. We put him in the garage in a pen with, with no top. We put him in the garage with a pen uh, for a few hours to a day. But he was able to just get out of it. So he's been having free range of the garage for the past day. <laughs> and so today's the day we're going to take him to my friend to our, to our friend's place. And so he's pooped everywhere. These things poop like crazy, by the way, if you ever have a chicken. The bird. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> All yeah. over the garage. So this morning we had to corral it and get it back into the uh, crate to take in the car. And we were able to do that. My wife uh, works with animals we were able to lead him and she was able to grab him and push him in. So uh, that was the chicken story. Uh, we had a chicken at our house for a few days. Now I'm going to have to clean the garage after we do this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I bet you do. I, I, the only time I've ever seen a chicken outside of like a zoo is here in South Florida. If you ever go to Key West, they literally just roam on the streets. Like you'll be downtown drinking and you'll go to like go to another bar and then like a chicken will walk in front of you like randomly. <laughs> Uh, other than that, yeah, I, I don't know. I live by a lake. Uh, you know, I have a nice little abode here. Um, there's no chickens in really South Florida. So that is interesting. That is something certainly that you have to deal with. And honestly, if I saw a chicken, I would not catch it. Uh, you know, I've caught, I've brought in cats before and dogs and, and you know, taking them to vets to find their rightful owners and things like that. Yeah. Uh, chicken, I think I'd just let go. I was yeah. going to, but he was very, he liked being here. And then I felt bad because first we were told he was a meat chicken, one of those that are just meant to be slaughtered. And I felt bad. We have since found out that it's probably not that. And it has probably been wandering around very, very long time. So we're taking him to a place where there's other chickens and food and a coop nice. and all that. So he'll be happy. That's great. So, uh, yeah, with that, <laughs> I don't know what else there really is to say. Let's could it, could it get into the gobbledygooker. He's, he looked like the gobbledygooker. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's slide into the main event. And the main event is largely today going to focus on WWE Raw, though like I said, we do have plenty of SmackDown, other news to talk about, Andrade getting released, that is part of our main event. But we got a big-ass three-part main event here, and we're going to start with the main event storyline on Raw, apropos for our main event segment. And it all began Monday night with Bobby Lashley opening the show against Sheamus in a non-title match. And at first, for the Raw after Fastlane to repeat the match that we got on the main event go-home show to Fastlane, I just, I thought it was mindless booking. But by the end of the show, and especially even by the end of the segment, it actually made sense. So I opened Raw almost with a sour taste in my mouth, seeing that this was the match. But they really kind of calmed that down over the course of the entire evening. 
We talked last week about her business being absent from all of Lashley's segments since he's gone on this main event run, uh, run, but they were ringside and Lashley was bothered by their interference. Sheamus hit a couple flying clotheslines for a near fall. Cedric Alexander interfered again anyway, letting Lashley hit the almighty spinebuster and hurt lock for the win. Alexander and Shelton Benjamin attacked Sheamus outside in the post-match. Drew McIntyre came down to make the save. McIntyre destroyed Alexander. He scared off Benjamin and climbed inside the ring to stare down Lashley. And then it got really intense with McIntyre screaming for Lashley to hit him, but MVP keeping Lashley back, convincing him to wait for WrestleMania. Backstage, Lashley tore apart the guys, saying it wasn't her business's match, but it was his match. He didn't want their help, made him look weak for people to think that he would need their help. MVP stepped in because Lashley was getting heated and said they embarrassed Lashley. So I, I sincerely hope that this doesn't lead to her business breaking up. And we have a lot more to talk about what happened on Raw. But just off the top, her business breaking up would be a travesty. They haven't been together long enough to make that necessary. And they're too good together for that to be something that actually happens. But I will say to start the show with a high intensity match, Lashley and Sheamus, even though it was a rematch, I thought it was a hot start to the show. And Raw as a whole, we, you know, sometimes we usually preface this before we even get into the main event. Raw as a whole was a good episode, and it started on a good note with this. Yeah, I think my overall feelings on the episode are mixed. But as for the match, I had the same feeling. I was kind of like, eh, to start. But then it got it got going, it got better, and it happened. Actually, there was some stuff on Twitter before the match that actually kind of got me excited for it. I think Sheamus had tweeted that he was upset that he wasn't on the poster, I think, for WrestleMania. And Lashley... Like, Which, quote, like, how many people, like, every year... Right, right. Well, yeah. right. I'm just saying. But then Lashley quote tweets and says, well, maybe you should win some more matches and it'll happen. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, okay. This is this got a little kayfabe heat on well, I would have liked I would have liked if, like, during their entrances, you have Tom Phillips. Yeah. So some of you may be wondering why this match is happening again. Throw up all the tweets and you're yep. like, oh, okay. So they, they created some shit, you know? Yeah. But they don't do that. They just kind of give you the match. So... Again, disappoint, I was disappointed at first to have it, but the storytelling coming out of the match with the Hurt Business and with Sheamus, I think explained why they went to it. So I will give them a break on that. So the next thing that happened was Sheamus was backstage being interviewed by that guy. I think his name's Kevin Patrick. And he said he never turns down a fight and he was challenged. So he wanted to fight Lashley. He added that McIntyre helped him out of respect, but he didn't want McIntyre's help and still hated him. Then Riddle started circling him in his scooter, asking questions about like Ireland and when Sheamus uh, did this and did that. Sheamus stopped him, feigned interest in the scooter, and then picked it up and beat him with it. So now we have our United States title feud at WrestleMania. I mean, it hasn't been announced officially, but we have seen this match before. I think it was on SmackDown, and it absolutely ruled. We talked last night about how great Sheamus has been recently. So you take a guy who has been extremely strong on his own, but he's lost basically every feud he's been in. And now you insert him into a United States title feud. Is it rushed? Is it hot shot? Yes. But the interaction between both of them was great. And I think it's going to be an incredible match. So it gives something Sheamus very important to do at WrestleMania. I actually liked this riddle bit. I know we talked about a little bit on the Fastlane show about how I've not been a fan of a lot of the- It's all the same person. No, this one, in, in this one- he came across as chi- basically childish, and it, it was 
funny because he wasn't being dumb. He was being curious. He was being like, hey, have you have has have you ever had Drew over to your house in Ireland? What's it like in Scotland? Have you ever like like a little kid would do if he met a dude from Ireland or something like that? So I I, I thought it was actually funny because he wasn't playing dumb. He was he was being curious. And yeah, it, it, it's a quick thing thrown together. But we didn't really know where the U.S. title was going to go anyway. We know these guys will have a great match and it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be a good match. and. Uh, it gives Sheamus a championship match at, Wrestle, at WrestleMania, which I think he deserves because he's been really good. Absolutely. No, that's true. I do think I'll reiterate this again, and, and it's something we'll talk about when we get to our WrestleMania go-home shows and, and the ultimate previews yeah. and all that type of stuff. But I'm pretty convinced, especially with this match being made, that what I said, I think it was last week, was correct, that originally her business was supposed to keep the titles, fight someone else. Kofi was going to fight Ali. And... You know, Riddle was either going to fight Keith Lee or AJ Styles or maybe both of them, something like that. And now they're trying to, you know, fix all of these pieces because Keith Lee is out and this thing happened and that thing happened. And, you know, I'm okay with it. But the one thing I'll say about, about WrestleMania this year, and it's something that we'll talk about throughout this entire episode. The card as it stands right now is exceptionally strong, but you don't feel the importance of it because a lot of the storylines are extremely short-term, sometimes hot shot, and they're just, they don't have that gravitas to them yep. that you normally expect from WrestleMania, where things get built up. You know, WWE isn't the best at long-term storytelling, but for WrestleMania, they usually give you three, four-month build to some of these things, and you don't really feel that on this year's show. This is an example, though, and look, we're probably going to get Sheamus and Riddle. We're probably going to get Rollins and Cesaro. We're probably going to get Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Those are going to be three fantastic WrestleMania matches, work rate type of matches that are going to tear the house down on a show in front of a great crowd. But you don't really feel the intensity, right, going into any of them except maybe Rollins Cesaro. But even that, you're only dealing with like a month of a bill. So it's good and bad. Like, I think the card's going to be sick, but the build to it isn't great. Yeah, and it's especially true if you look at Raw and... The match, Especially Raw. Yes. We're going to, we'll get to them later, but the tag team title match was set because somebody just asked for a title shot. The, as, as, as did the Raw Women's Championship. Yep. yep that was the other one. We're going to get to that today. Drew and, Drew and Bobby Lashley, there is a history there at least, but Drew didn't earn his way into that match really because they didn't have that number one contender match. He just said he wanted right. to fight Lashley and they announced it in a graphic. And then you have Sheamus. Riddle, which will start over a scooter thing. Of, but at least that is... It, it, there's something there, but it's three the, weeks out. It's not like there's enough time to build it into something major either. So it's just like, especially on Raw, you can tell that, yeah, these matches might be good, but not a lot of... It, it, whether things had to change or not, there's not a lot of momentum on any of these going into Mania. Yeah, I mean, look, to use our constant meat analogies, right? You want every major storyline going into WrestleMania to be Kobe beef or filet mignon or, or Chateaubriand or something like that. And it's okay that a couple of them are, you know, a T-bone or sirloin or even ground chuck. But these are like lean turkey meat, some of them. And it doesn't mean that in the end, the final product won't be good. I eat ground turkey tacos all the time. I don't even eat ground beef anymore, really. I try to, you know, lessen the red meat load outside of this podcast, that is. Uh, but but so you're it's okay to have some of those things. But when you look at the turkey in the package, you're like, oh, this is dull and 
pink and you want that redness, right? You want the thing that you can really sink your teeth into. So I think in the end, it's going to be really good. And we may not even, by the time the match is over, we'll stop thinking about the storyline. But right now we have to talk about the storylines getting us into them. And right now there's just not that much, unfortunately, to chew on, as you said, especially from the Raw side. So let's continue here. Uh, Drew McIntyre ended up fighting her business in a handicap match. Adam Pierce told McIntyre that her business challenged him, but he wouldn't force him to accept the match because it wasn't fair. McIntyre said he was in for the match if there was a stipulation that they would be banned from ringside at WrestleMania if McIntyre wins. So her business got most of the work until McIntyre went on a run with back-to-back claymores for the win, meaning that Alexander and Benjamin will be barred from ringside at WrestleMania. Cedric did a 270, I should note, when McIntyre hit him with the claymore. He like literally his entire body almost flipped around. It was pretty sick. No surprise that he is an incredible seller. Uh, So this served as a showcase for McIntyre. I wonder if they could have waited a week for it, but hopefully they have good stuff in store for the next two shows. And that's something we'll talk about in a moment as well. I wanted to get your take on this and the stipulation. Man, poor Hurt Business, man. They they go in a week, they go from tag team champs to losing the belts to losing a handicap match. And now they won't get to be at WrestleMania, you know, involved in the main event. Like th- this is 100% feels like Vince is gearing up toward, all right, top guy, champion for WrestleMania. You don't want a faction around him. You, if, he, if he has a manager, that's fine. But you want one guy to stand on his own. And it looks to me like they're going to break up the hurt business. And, and I, I think that's really going to be a shame if that happens. Just remarkable fall literally over a week from guy from from yeah. Cedric Alexander and, and Sean Benjamin, who I've really liked. I love the hurt business. I like seeing them together with all the gold. And we we barely got that. And now it feels like they're dumping half of them to the wayside for the sake of Lashley. It's too bad. Yeah, I mean, let's hope it's a tease kind of like the previous breakup where like we thought it might happen, but then they coalesced and, and got stronger. Uh, so, you know, that's my hope. I'm not worried about Lashley, even if he does go into sure. Mania and lose the title, because I believe MVP will stay with him. So he'll be okay. But look, Alexander and Benjamin, they have proven they just don't really know how to book them if it's not with MVP. And Alexander, even more than Benjamin. Benjamin, look, he's had a really long career. He's still good. I, I still like seeing him on TV. He's, he's a great wrestler. Alexander's the guy that has that star quality and, and power and potential. And he's, he's super young as well. So, I mean, he's not super young, but he's younger. So that's the guy who, if her business breaks up, will, I think, be the most hurt by it. But look, let's see. Nothing's happened yet. Let's not go there. Let's finish up this and talk about what happened. So MVP, after this match, after the loss, yelled at her business afterward, and Lashley showed up infuriated wearing a really dapper, I think it was purple suit. Uh, he said, if they can't get the job done, he'll find someone who will. Then he walked into the locker room. And in the locker room was Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak, Lucha House Party, and Akira Tozawa. That's the group. And he says to them, I want one of you or some of you to take McIntyre out. And anyone who does will get a WWE championship opportunity if you do. So a couple of things here. First, super sad to see Ricochet grouped in with the rest of them. I mean, Carrillo as well, but especially Ricochet. Second, I thought it was a bit of confusing booking. Lashley didn't want their help during the match with Sheamus, but now wanted their help beating down McIntyre to weaken him ahead of WrestleMania. I guess I'm curious to see how it plays out. And the idea of, look, we talked about the APA a couple weeks ago, months ago, and how great of a 
uh, gimmick that was at the time and how smart it was that they could do something like that today. This is not going to turn into that. But the idea of putting out a hit on someone is always interesting because it, it says, hey, next week on Raw, you don't know what's going to happen. Drew McIntyre will probably get attacked backstage by some group of these people and fend them off and throw them into road cases and do some crazy shit. I really hope Ricochet is not part of that group. So I'm kind of anticipating it. Like I, I, they wet my appetite this week and now they have two more weeks to really sell Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. And I think this for next week kind of provides an interesting angle. Yeah, I, I think something like that could happen as well. Like you said, it's kind of weird to get rid of your tag team and then have somebody else do it. But, you know, and, and MVP was... He was more upset about the interference in in the Lashley match that he that he won than than the her business losing the tag titles. Like he didn't even say anything on Fastlane when that happened, or I mean the week prior. Well, he did this week on Raw, right? But last week when it happened, so it's just like we'll see. It, it, I'm excited about Lashley McIntyre. I think they're going to do good stuff in the next handful of weeks. I was already excited for that match, and yeah, now we got kind of some sort of mystery going on. Putting out a hit yeah. on a guy. Easy storytelling. Yeah, but it ain't a handful. That's the problem. It's two. So they literally have two weeks. My guess, if I had to guess, next week, all these people are going to attack Drew. They're going to fail. And by the end of the show, Hurt Business will attack Drew and succeed. And MVP and Lashley will welcome them in and, you know, give them a hug. And if that is what happens, that will be a good piece of booking. I mentioned there's a bunch of DMs on this show. Sammy Redden at 50 Miles East. He said, you're a betting man, Silver King. Indeed, I am. Uh, What are the odds they do the old clear the locker room to stop Drew and Lashley from fighting over the next two weeks? So I'd probably, if you wanted me to actually set odds, I'd set it at like minus 200 or minus 250 or like one one or two uh, that it happens for the go home show in two weeks. It makes sense, though, to do it with two huge guys like this who purposely the point of today's show or, or, or Monday night show, I should say was that they're not touching each other. That MVP wants to keep Lashley separate. Drew is kind of egging him on, but they didn't come to blows. So on a go-home show segment, for two behemoths, monsters like these guys, two, let's not forget, big meaty men slapping meat. Big meaty men slapping meat. (laughs) That's what I want to see, but I want to see it at WrestleMania. I don't want to see it on Raw. So if they do it, which I think they probably will, I'll be totally fine with it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it, it works for them. I, I guess you kind of kind of have to build it up because they haven't gone after each other in a couple of weeks. But yeah, no, the, again, just like said, just like setting a hit out on somebody, it's an easy tool to use as long as you don't overuse it, and it'll create a great image. It'll be great for the for the video package, and it'll get you excited for the match. So right, we'll, don't do it for don't do it for either of the women's storylines. Don't do it for Biggie and Apollo, and don't do it. For the SmackDown main event, if this is the one story that you do it for, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I think that would work. So I, I hope they do. I think it'd be a good idea. All right, uh, next topic here in the main event. I want to talk about Andrade getting his release from WWE. And you'll understand why we're talking about this ahead of the main women's storyline on Raw as we talk through it. So six days after requesting and being denied his release from WWE, Andrade was granted it on Sunday and WWE officially announced it immediately after Fastlane went off the air. So Dave Meltzer has reported that WWE is not holding Andrade to a 90-day non-compete clause, which means he's a free agent now. He could sign anywhere. And that is certainly a surprise 
Whether his fiance Charlotte Flair had something to do with that pressuring the office, that's a story I think people will be asking for a long time, and you'll probably hear a million different versions of it. But it is interesting that Andrade somehow is the one person who doesn't have to live out that 90-day non-compete clause. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at Andrade's tenure and how WWE handled him. It started rough in NXT. Uh, I think a lot of people forget like the feather in the hat Andrade was a, is a huge failure. It didn't get over. He looked weird. It just didn't work. But once he got Zelina Vega, which was a genius pairing, everything turned around. He had one of the best matches in NXT history with Johnny Gargano at a takeover. In fact, I think he had two matches total with Gargano, and both of them were good. It seemed like WWE had finally figured out how to use him at the start of the pandemic after he made the transition to the main roster. They had Zelina kind of amp up a stable, and Andrade was getting pushed. He was the United States champion. He wasn't defending it a lot, but he looked good with the title. Then they kind of put him in that tag team with Angel Garza for a while. And we all thought, hey, look, okay, he, he's going to lose the U.S. title, but it makes sense. He'll win the tag team championship with Garza. It'll elevate Garza, and they'll do that for a while. But they never freaking won the titles. Um, it just is what happened. Largely, WWE never fully bought into Andrade because he cannot cut a promo on his own. It's, I think, that simple. He did try to learn English. And I'd say he improved, but he was still exceptionally rough. And unfortunately, in WWE, more than some other places, that really matters. There are certain people who can get away with it. Asuka, they've figured out a way to book her and use her. But there's no doubt Asuka would be even bigger than she is if she could go out there and cut a really strong promo in English. Right. You say, right. Use, use her is in quotes. <laughs> they haven't exactly used her over the last Sure, but I'm talking about months. her entire career. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's one of the most decorated women in the history of the company. For Oscar. sure. But it feels like they haven't had those major feuds outside of what she's and, doing. And I and think largely, and I think it's largely because of that. Yeah. So, you know, is it fair to say what a lot of people are saying, which is that Andrade's talent was wasted, quote unquote, in WWE, I think, yes, that's fair. WWE did not nearly do enough with him. And if they got creative, he could have been a main eventer or a world champion. I still believe that to this day. And I do think he will be elsewhere, especially now that his profile has been raised. No doubt about it. But I don't ultimately at the same time think this is the biggest loss for them when all is said and done. It's more disappointing for me that it didn't work out. They have a lot of main eventers. They have a lot of talent. And if you want to talk specifically about Mexican talent and the Latin market, they have Angel Garza, who's so far so bad. You know, they're not booking him well or really at all on Raw, but you see flashes from him. And down in NXT, for those of you who listen to our Thursday show, you guys know I am extremely high, higher than I've ever been on a comparative basis on Santos Escobar versus Andrade. I think Escobar has everything that Andrade does from a wrestling standpoint. He's probably, I don't know, seven-eighths as good a wrestler as Andrade. Plus, he is perfect speaking English on promos, and he cuts damn good promos as well. So I do think they have people in the organization that can fill the gap being somewhat you know, created by Andrade's absence. But at the same time, yeah, WWE deserves criticism because this is a guy they could have done so much more with that they really failed to capitalize on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw, I watched him in NXT and everything, and he never quite felt like 
world champion material to me. I mean, he's only listed at five nine for 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 one thing. He you know guys who have who maybe don't cut great promos and they have a manager do that for him. You think of Lashley, you think of Brock Lesnar. Those are guys who are physically intimidating and they're still bringing something uh, to the package if it's not speaking. So I don't know, but I, I wasn't as high in him as others. You know, he did get a U.S. title reign last year that that um, was okay. It was tough, obviously, with the perform- performance. It was forgettable. It, it, yeah. it, it, it was a, it, everything in that era was forgettable. It, it was tough on everybody. I liked the faction that Zelina had for about a month there with everybody. There were some good things. I thought Andrade would have been a great, you know, one-off or two-off foil for Drew McIntyre when he was making – his initial exactly. title defenses. You know, we had that champion versus champion match, uh, but he but 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 he lost, I think, like two weeks in a row or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he didn't And relatively easily. I mean yeah, they were yeah. good matches. They but didn't yeah. make him he yeah. they didn't give him a chance to shine. So he could have done more for, for for sure. I don't think his ceiling was as high as other people, but there's no doubt he's an incredible talent in the ring, and it really sucks that they couldn't find uh more for him. Yeah, it's just really unfortunate. And the point that's a great point that you make, just like they're doing with Lashley now, where they had him drop the United States Championship and then go after the WWE title, just like they did with Roman Reigns a couple of years ago. You guys will remember I actually predicted it on our old show where he dropped the Intercontinental title, won it, dropped the Intercontinental title, then went after the main title. That was something they could have done with Andrade, but yeah. they just never gave him that main event opportunity. I don't know what the harm would have been in this guy competing for the WWE title like actually in a at a pay-per-view not being the United States champion and putting on a great match with McIntyre. You know, I said world champion, but really I, what I meant more so was main eventer and title challenger. Someone that can be legitimately in that picture even if they don't win it or even if they win it once and never again. Andrade had that potential, especially with Zelina. She should have built, been able to build him up to that. Now look, he did take a couple months away because he had eye surgery. But he was cleared of that seemingly by the end of 2020, and they just never brought him back. So it tells you what they thought of Andrade. Really unfortunate. So again, like wasted in WWE, I guess technically that is true. But did he fit what what is the model of success in WWE? No, because he is much more of a work rate, extreme talent performer in the ring than he is on the mic kind of telling stories from that aspect of it. And therefore, that's the main reason I think it didn't work out. I, I don't think there was any other reason because he had the looks, he had the tools in the ring. I just think if they want people who can tell stories themselves, and if he can't do that, then he's not going to be long there. And that's ultimately what happened. Now, the reason why I mentioned this before we talked more about the women's segment on Raw is because Andrade's fiance, who just so happens to be Charlotte Flair, has been noticeably absent from WWE TV the last couple of weeks. We learned Monday night she tested positive for COVID-19. Flair announced it before Raw, ending all the speculation about why she wasn't around. People were ridiculously thinking she was like protesting Andrade, (laughs) not getting his release and wasn't showing up to TV. This is Charlotte Flair. I mean, you know, it's one thing if it was like Zelina, who is someone that doesn't have a top tier career in the company. This is the number one woman in the entire company. I'm not saying she can't protest things and throw her weight around, but she's not missing out on WrestleMania season uh, because of her fiance not being booked on television. Uh, Obviously, we hope she gets better. That's the number one consideration and fully recovers. In terms of wrestling, more just terrible timing for WWE and Raw 
added to all of the other difficulties in the Raw women's division. Lacey Evans getting pregnant, Asuka getting her tooth knocked out a couple of weeks ago, now Charlotte catching COVID and missing a couple of weeks. One after another, all of these changes in succession, it looked like there was going to be a storyline where Charlotte was challenging all the women to step up and you were going to have Mandy and Dana and maybe Peyton Royce in singles matches with her and presumably none would beat her and she would challenge Oscar or something like that. We'll talk about it in a moment, but the end result, I think, of all of this may actually end up being a better WrestleMania match than we otherwise would have gotten from the Raw women's division. But that's not really what's important. What's most important here is that she gets better. I did want to mention it on the show and just kind of see if you had anything to say about it. Yeah, no, it, it, like you said, it's been a tough break from a story standpoint. We have criticized them plenty for poor women's storytelling, but I think the, the writers, bookers, deserve a bit of a, a break on this one. And yeah, obviously we hope Charlotte's okay, without a doubt, with anybody who's had this. I know a handful of uh, WWE wrestlers have as well. So. Just prayers up and hope hope uh, she's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated the booking when it was the Lacey Evans Charlotte shit. So it's not like the booking got worse <laughs> because of all these things happened. But right. they didn't even have an opportunity to play out the storyline right. that they at least wanted to play out. So it's been very difficult. So what happened on Monday largely focused around Rhea Ripley making her debut on the Raw roster. Um, you know, they announced last week that Ripley would debut on Raw. And, you know, this was after all those coming soon uh, video packages and us wondering, well, hey, it would make sense for her to debut after WrestleMania, considering she didn't debut after the Royal Rumble. And I think based on Charlotte getting COVID, they may have moved it up. You know, I, I, I maybe they were actually planning to debut her on the Raw after WrestleMania. And now they said, you know what, we can't do that because we need someone to step in. And step in, she did. So Asuka fought Peyton Royce in a non-title match. They showed Peyton's very strong Raw Talk promo that I played on this show last week, or actually that may have been two weeks ago before the match. And she carried a really serious demeanor into the ring. Peyton and Asuka each kicked out of near falls, and Peyton eventually succumbed to the Asuka lock at the end. I thought it was a good feature spot for Peyton, though. In a double TV segment, she got a lot of time in the ring with arguably the best women's wrestler in the company. Her offense can use some work, but she hasn't been wrestling really, so you have to blame her. Uh, she sold exceptionally well for Asuka, and I hope this is just the very start of her getting more screen time. The thing I kept thinking about during the entire match is they're pushing freaking Lacey Evans. When they have Peyton Royce, and yeah. it's not like Peyton Royce is a top-tier main event woman, but she's clearly more than capable and a good worker. She needs to get used a lot more. Yeah, no, it was a pretty good match. And, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of that goes with Asuka. She gets good matches out of everybody. And, and, you know, I wasn't as high on the Peyton Royce raw talk promo that other people were, but clearly, you know, she was able to turn it into something. There was some social media support afterward and get this opportunity. And they put it on TV. Yeah. And it was, it, it was, it was a good match. And, and that's the exact kind of thing you want to see moving forward from, from her, from the women's division. So yeah, good, good setup moving forward with the, with the Rhea Ripley stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They've been teasing her for a month now. I, I didn't. I was skeptical they were going to tease her for a, two months and not bring her up until after WrestleMania. I think we might have both picked in our WrestleMania card a couple weeks ago, Triple Threat. 
out of this was was Charlotte, Asuka, Rhea Ripley, maybe. So maybe well, we did that. We did that, I think, last week. And the point of us doing that was they announced that she was going to debut on Raw Monday. Okay. So once they once they announced that, it was like, well, she's going to be in the match. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I I, I did. I thought they were going to debut her before WrestleMania, even before they said next week. Uh, so I'm sure things changed. I don't love that this is her just coming out and challenging for a title shot, but I guess Asuka's basically beat everybody else. And well, let's yeah, let's get into that. Yeah. So immediately after the bell of the match, uh, Rhea Ripley made her debut. She kept her gimmick. She kept her entrance theme. All of that is very good and important, of course. Uh, she mentioned on the mic Charlotte challenging Asuka, but not being there due to COVID nineteen. It was pretty interesting that they straight up said that. It's the only the second yeah. time I think they've said that on TV. Drew said he had it on a video message one time. And then this. And then after she said that, she said, well, if Charlotte's not going to be here for you, I'm going to straight up challenge you at WrestleMania. Talk about strapping the rocket to someone, right? Having her come right up face to face with Asuka, challenge her to WrestleMania. I did think Ripley's promo was a bit weak. She may have been overwhelmed in the moment a little bit. And it did come out of nowhere. So there was a lacking intensity to the entire thing. But she uh, was getting thrown right into the fire. She's clearly working the heel side in the match right off the bat. I'm excited to see it heat up next week. And this episode of Raw Talk, not only did it feature an incredible sh- promo from Sheamus that I didn't cut and one from Braun Strowman that we'll talk about later that I didn't cut, but it featured a pretty good segment with Rhea Ripley as well. So she came across, I thought, pretty strong you know, throughout Monday night. I didn't see uh, Raw Talk, so I'll have to check that out. After. Sheamus and Strowman absolutely killed their promos. It was oh. awesome. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely go. Uh, Shocking for check Strowman. That out. I know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so you know, Rhea versus Asuka. It'll be a great match, I'm sure. You know, she comes out and asks for a match, and she gets it. It is what it is. Things have changed. Now they got a kind of couple weeks to try to build something to it, and off we go. Now, assuming Charlotte, hoping and assuming Charlotte is fully cleared. I still think there's a good chance that we do get the triple threat because yeah. she can basically come in either next week or the week after and say, hey, look, Rhea, it's all nice and good that you challenged Asuka. But number one, I already challenged her. Number two, I beat Asuka at WrestleMania. And number three, I beat you at yeah. WrestleMania. Yes. Right? So there's really every reason for this to be a triple threat as long as Flair gets cleared. And I'll be honest, as much as I would love, you guys know, I am a huge Asuka fan. I'm a huge Rhea Ripley fan. As much as I'd love a one-on-one match, I think a triple threat actually makes more storyline sense. And I would believe that they're not going to debut Ripley and have her lose, take the fall in that match. And if they did, then well, they can just go to hell and we'll curse them out and I'll go crazy on the instant analysis. I don't think either but, of us thought that last year either. <laughs> no, but that was one-on-one though, at least. Yeah. In a situation like this, I think you can have her pin... Asuka, or you or you can really have her pin Charlotte because you can give Charlotte the excuse, well, hey, this wasn't one-on-one. Asuka tapped me out almost, and then, you know, you came in and did whatever. So no matter what, I think a triple threat's the right booking. And man, if we come out of WrestleMania with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair as the champions, and I don't know that we will, but if we do, that's a great shakeup to the women's division. Yeah, it, it, it's a sign of... We have developed the next generation and to go with the stars that they already have in place. And it's been a mess of a, several months to get here for the women's division, but there's a real chance for a reset coming out of it uh, with some of these 
you know, really talented, not necessarily young, because I think Bianca and Sasha are the same age, but but new faces. It, it, it'll be a good chance to kind of reboot everything, I think. I totally agree. Now, we have plenty more to talk about from Raw, from SmackDown, and just from WWE in general. But before we all get to that, I need to remind you that promotional consideration for the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for you, our listeners here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. All you need is promo code G-O-MAN. This show is all about big meaty men slapping meat and that meat on meat action. Put some meat on my meat, man. Gently now. Please, gently, gently. You gotta be delicate. And Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat. They hooked us up with their perfect package 3.0, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. This trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. From a lifetime of trimming down low, I can tell you I've never used something so perfectly designed. Also in that perfect package 3.0 are some products to keep your balls dry and smelling fresh, plus a couple of free gifts, including a pair of super comfortable, high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs and a travel bag. Trim your junk, get 20% off and free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. Each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. That is why we are giving you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code GOMAN. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Speaking of balls, Randy Orton has a couple big ones because on Monday night, Chris, he summoned The Fiend. And this was in the main event of the show. Orton said the bullshit had to end between them. Bliss finally popped the jack in the box on the stage. Fire lit the four ring posts like Kane and the fiend appeared out of nowhere. Orton took gasoline and poured it at his feet as he didn't budge at all. He just let him pour it all over him. Orton then went to light a match and the fiend moved slightly. So Orton hit an RKO instead. Bliss entered to stare at Orton and kind of distract him. The fiend rose. Orton ran into a mandible claw and ate sister Abigail. Bliss pointed to the WrestleMania sign as fire went off and the fiend roared. It was damn cool looking, I have to say. Bray Wyatt looks like he's trimmed down as well, which I think makes The Fiend look a little bit different. The mask, I got a better look at it. It's incredibly intricate and pretty damn cool. The gear, I think, may need a little bit of work, but ultimately, this was not very different from what we got on Fastlane. We knew it was going to be a match at WrestleMania, and my assumption, Chris, is over the next week or two, we will find out exactly what the stipulation will be. But they like putting this in the main event, and I got to say, it's a pretty cool way to keep ending Raw with stuff like this. It's just, it's different. It's not the highest rated hour, so they don't put the McIntyre and Lashley stuff. This is basically the number two storyline, and I found this all pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was, like, it wasn't great because, like we said, it was basically running back the exact same thing they did at Fastlane, but it was fine. It was, it was good. I still like seeing it. If you haven't listened to our Fastlane 
re, uh, reaction, go do that. But I'm going to say the same thing here. And that is, I just, I still don't think, I still think commentary should not say anything. Like they're not saying a ton. It feels like they're cutting down on it, but something like, like uh, yelling out sister Abigail when he hits it, like just, is that a match? Yes. We know what a matchbook looks like. Yeah. You don't need to like tell us that. Yeah. Just, just let it, 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 just let them tell the entire story, the people that what they're doing in the ring. We know what Sister Abigail is. You don't need to tell us. Just saying Sister Abigail doesn't mean anything. Um, so just I still wish they would not say anything, but still it was it was um, it was nice. I actually have this interesting idea that I don't think they're going to do it, but I would love like the fault in the next like three weeks. The Fiend like you were talking about how the mask looks good and everything, and I'm. I would love to see him like grow back over the next like three weeks. Like he's like regenerating and he's back to his full form by the time the WrestleMania match comes around. I don't, they're probably not going to do that. It's probably going to cost, cost, cost you money and, and stuff like that. But it just, it came to mind when I'm like, is, is Randy going to fight this guy who looks like he's already been ripped apart or is he going to like heal and regenerate now that he's back over the next few weeks? I think that'd be kind of cool, but it's just a little thing, I guess. No, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, and look, maybe this match, part of that will be him taking things from Orton and, you know, allowing that to kind of regenerate. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. My expectation, look, Randy Orton has been on a ridiculous run yes. for the last, I think, 16 months. It's been nonstop. He's been involved in major feuds with Drew McIntyre, Edge, and now The Fiend. It's really only been three feuds in 16 months. And somehow he's been great throughout all of it. My expectation is whatever happens here at WrestleMania, Orton's going to get some time off, you know? Yeah. The, the, three months, the four months. Yeah. The Broken Skull Sessions uh, interview with Stone Cold that uh, was on, came out Sunday, is also really good. And Randy's saying he's he feels like for the first time in his career, he's like really getting promos and understanding how it all works and that he's figured it out over the last year. And you can tell. And it's something like this where he's barely talking and it's all acting and, and, and body language you can see how much he's kind of figured things out. And he talks about that in the, in the Austin interview. It's really good. Yeah, he's great. And I know it's obvious just based on like his career, the number of titles he's won and the stuff he's done, the matches he's been in. I don't think people realize how much of a legend Randy Orton is and will go down as at the end. He is incredible. He's, he's a great wrestler in terms of in ring, the promo work it's late in his career. Sure. But that's when you really need the promo work to come on because yeah. you want to wrestle less and you want the programs that you're in to be more impactful. And yet it's really all come together for him over the last year and a half. And it's great to see. It's really great to see him rejuvenated like that. All right, let's move on and go over to SmackDown for a little bit. Talk about some things that happened there. Sami Zayn again asked Kevin Owens if he would be in his documentary and Owens was noncommittal, suggesting Zayn might be twisting reality to fit his narrative, which I think is pretty apropos for some of the times that we're in right now. Uh, Zane got angry and asked Owens to attend his match against King Corbin later in the show and promised if Owens didn't see anything suspicious that he would drop the entire thing. <laughs> so we got Zane against Corbin and they ran WWE a hysterical promo <laughs> calling this the least interesting match in WWE history. Least anticipated. It was least anticipated. Everything. Yeah. It was so damn good, I had to cut it for all of you. Now, 
It's time for perhaps the least anticipated match in the history of SmackDown. The irritating force meets the unlikable object <laughs> in a match no one asked for. Unfortunately, there must be a winner. But thankfully, there will be a loser when King Corbin takes on Sami Zayn next. What I loved about that so much is it was not Kevin Owens creating that promo or it was not some random person, right? Like in a feud doing that. That was just WWE as a company naturally creating that promo ahead of a match they booked. And it's just so smart. And it was so funny. I laughed out loud. I couldn't believe what I was saying. I was like, wait, did I hear that right? I, I rewound it to make sure I heard it properly. Sami Zayn freaked out about it later in the show. It was, I just freaking love that, man. It was so smart. It was one of the most naturally funny things that WWE's done in a long time. It, it, it was brilliant. And it's the kind of thing you, you never see on Raw, really. It, there was such a great self-awareness there. And I mean, you talk about, Sammy talking about it afterward. They had, a, I think, a YouTube-only thing afterward where they show some footage of Sammy talking to his documentary crew and they say the footage is provided to them by Sami Zayn. And, mm-hmm. and Sammy cuts this great promo about how pissed off he is that they called it the least anticipated match ever. And he's going through the Thunderdome all upset. He finds Corbin afterward. He goes, hey, you saw what they what they yeah. did. They called it this. That's because you were in a match with me. This is WWE keeping me down. It It's not really getting a ton of attention on YouTube, but I think it's been great. Sammy's been great throughout all of this. It's it's this is another like it's like a mid to low card feud storyline but they're making it interesting like something's happening and it's it's just really good really enjoy oh this is fully mid card and it goes to show how little it takes to get feuds over without a title yeah you don't always need a title to have a feud and guess what on smackdown right now you have Sami Zayn, kevin owens and you have seth rollins cesaro no title in sight for either of them and it works both of them are working exceedingly well uh, so and as far as this went, Zayn tried to D-pad the turnbuckle. A referee turned him around and Corbin caught him with end of days for the win. Zayn and Owens argued over the finish. Owens kept his cool at the announce table, but got absolutely blindsided with a Luva kick to the back of the head. I enjoyed the entire thing. Clearly, they're going to go with a hot shot WrestleMania match. And I'm fine with it. You know, these are two guys that have been, you know, career, they're, they're best friends, but they've been career rivals in wrestling. And they were separated for a decent period of time. But look, WWE is doing a two-night WrestleMania. They wanted to figure out a way to get a damn good match on the card for two people who really deserve it. And I think that they're doing a fine job here. It's not Shakespeare, but it's it's good wrestling. And, and for a hotshot feud, I like it. Yeah, and it's... it's Have they fought... Did they do a one-on-one match at WrestleMania? I don't remember. I remember they both... They've never the fought match. at WrestleMania. Okay, because I, I remember they did the ladder match. They, the... the, the Inter, I think Intercontinental Ladder Match they were both in. I was always curious if they had, because they have done some Sammy Kevin Owens friendship feuds a couple times, and they're always great, because these guys, like like you were saying, like with Sammy, like you don't you don't need to have a title on every feud. Just let your creative guys be creative. And these two are among the most creative in the company. Fully confident they'll, they'll come up with something pretty good over the next couple of weeks, and it'll be a fun match. Not the biggest thing in the world, but it's perfectly fine. And, uh, and, to- and totally worthy of WrestleMania, too. 
Yeah, I, I they'll have to build that back up. I think. I mean, considering but the, the, the yeah, but the, I'm saying Zane Owens for fans that care about yes, those things. Well, for sure. For for the yeah. hardcore fans who know everything, yeah, for sure. That's why I'm saying they have to really dig into that over the next couple of weeks. I think to to build it up for the other people who may have forgotten. Um, so that that'll be good. One other thing I wrote down was that I don't know if Corbin was freshly shaven or had gotten a tan or something, but he looked pretty good. He looked a little bit different. And he looked pretty good in that match. I don't know what it was, but uh, some sort of tweak he made in his look, it was pretty good. I mean, are we going with... Uh, That's the most action I've had all year. Or are you just saying he was looking dapper? Both. Both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I all don't right, know. He, I, he just, I don't know, whatever. He just, he looked a little bit different. He, I don't know, whatever it was. By the way, the match I think you were talking about, uh, there was a, like, WrestleMania 32, it opened with that seven-man ladder match. They were both yeah. in that. Yeah. The one that Zack Ryder, I think, won. That's, That's right. I think, what you were talking about. So um, they have wrestled at WrestleMania, but no, it was not. I don't think it was one-on-one. Uh, let's stick with SmackDown. The tag team picture developed even further. We had the Street Profits against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Dirty Dogs were on commentary. It was a fun and athletic match. Dominic caught Angelo Dawkins in a pinning combination, folding him up for the win in a great spot. The Dawkins sold really well. His eyes were bugging out of his head. Then... Um, Chad Gable came out to talk shit and basically challenged the Mysterios. They're like, hey, you can beat the Street Profits, but you can't beat us. So there was another match, Mysterios against Alpha Academy. So that match started. Gable and Otis got knocked out of the ring with Dominic hitting a great springboard splash. Otis broke up a frog splash after a 619 on Gable and treated Ray like a ragdoll with multiple really hard body slams. Like he threw him into the canvas. Yeah. Gable caught a 619 by Dominic hit his rolling German suplex, and Otis then delivered a very impressive, I have to say, uh, splash flying halfway across the ring from the second rope to get the win over the Mysterios. I honestly loved everything about this double segment. It was one of the best booked tag team storylines WWE's had in the last year. And that's not really saying much because this is not otherworldly. There's not some great storyline tying the entire thing together. But over the weeks, They've built up all four of these tag teams as rivals. This was lots of fun. And I don't think there's any doubt really that we're going to be getting a fatal four-way match at WrestleMania. I hope it's like an elimination type of match. For me, that would be the best possible booking. You could even possibly do a tag team gauntlet match. But I do think all of these teams should be involved at WrestleMania. And I really don't want this week on SmackDown, three of the teams to fight the Street Profits to win and just have Dirty Dogs versus Street Profits. At this point, yeah. they've all been built up so well that I think it's a great opportunity to put them all on the show and maybe even have the Mysterios win the titles. That's my concern. My concern is they're going to pick the Street Profits out of this group to do it. But that said, this is why we love SmackDown. This is why they have earned our trust because they are able to cobble together a tag team uh, division over the last handful of months. Suddenly there are four legitimate teams the Street Profits can lose a match to the to the Mysterios and, and be totally fine. And it, it's like it feels like that wouldn't happen on Raw. Like like they just always want to protect people or whatever. Like let somebody get a good win and it helps somebody else. And then boom, boom, boom. And we've got four really good teams here. I love the Alphas. I've said that since two months ago when they when they got put together. I really like that team. I love Otis as a big, strong, you know, monster type of guy as opposed to just always being kind of the dumb person. So love what they're doing with everything here. Really, really hope we do a fatal four-way because I think all these teams really deserve it. And there's a lot of stories you can tell. 
Uh, we'll just have to see what they do this week. Now, going back to Raw the rest of the way, we had AJ Styles against Kofi Kingston in a singles match. Styles cut a typical promo putting himself over, as well as Omos. Uh, Kingston put on a like royal type of accent and called Styles a wee man. Uh, it was really funny what Kingston was doing. Then they proved Styles didn't know anything about Omos as a person. Uh, it was a pretty funny promo battle. Uh, Styles did, uh, I think it was AJ Rocks and like shake, shook, uh, <laughs> shook, shook his hips, shaked yeah. his hips, whatever. Um, but it was all pretty good. As far as the match goes, it was well booked, all things considered. Styles countered Trouble in Paradise with a Pele kick. Styles then rolled Kofi into a calf crusher, but Kofi grabbed the ropes. Xavier Woods grabbed the trombone and started playing it. And I actually think he was playing AJ Styles' TNA theme. His entrance oh, really? theme. Yeah, <laughs> right as Styles jumped up onto the top rope to hit Phenomenal Forearm, that distracted him. It was pretty brilliant. And Kingston caught him with the SOS for a close surprise upset pin. Good stuff all around. And we criticized this, them for not developing this feud ahead of booking the match. But as I suspected, they're going to be booking it over the next three weeks, including this past week. And so far, so good. It's been entertaining. I know Omas is not going to debut as a wrestler until WrestleMania, but I'd like to see him get physically involved somehow. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I said last week when they put this together, I said, don't keep keep, keep the mystery there until WrestleMania. So we have something to look forward to. Like like we said, didn't love that they just ask for a title shot and get it and off we go, but we trust the people involved to make something out of it. It's exactly what they did. I like the, hey, what is Omas's favorite color? It's turns out it's mauve type of thing. That was funny. Right. It, it was funny. AJ does AJ does comedy really well. And uh so yeah, it was fine. It, I'm curious what they see. I don't want to see, you know. AJ versus Xavier. I don't want to see like a bunch of combinations of this match leading into the tag match. This is the problem they always have with tag team pay-per-view matches is that they do every combination of it before giving it to you at the pay-per-view and then it doesn't feel special. So give them promos, have them go back and forth. I don't want to see them in the ring against each other every week until WrestleMania. I do agree with that for sure. Not just the same thing every single time. Uh, so Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, the women's tag team champions, faced the sexy muscle friends in a non-title match, which, you know, I understood why Oscar fought on the show. I understood why Bobby Lashley fought on the show. I don't understand why they had this match. Uh, Naomi and Lana were on commentary. Reginald did like a dozen flips and acrobatic moves to show off for Nia before and even during the match. Baszler was pissed off the entire time. Reginald distracted both women and Jax hit the Samoan drop ultimately for the win. So another women's tag team that should be getting a WrestleMania match loses before WrestleMania. I just thought this was totally pointless and a huge yawn from me. Yeah. I mean, I like Reginald with Nia and uh, me too. Shayna. Like they, they've actually found something pretty good there. I it's think the that, best incarnation of him so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Nia plays off it well too. I've really, I just, in general, I love Nia and Shayna as a team. I think both of them have looked so much better through their work together. Um, but yeah, this was kind of, okay, I guess we're going to do the Natalia Tamina probably at WrestleMania instead of some sort of multi- How is that your match? But how is that your match? Because they're laying waste to everybody else who, who has a But it's Natalia and Tamina. I mean, I'm, look, it's one thing if you want to give the veterans a big shot at WrestleMania, and I'm sorry to interrupt, no, yeah. and have them win the titles. That's fine. But do, why not have a Fatal 4-Way? I agree. I, or I, Fatal 5-Way. I, I agree. I mean, that's how we, I think that's how we did it on our- on our WrestleMania cards, I had, yeah, I had Nia, Shayna, Sexy Muscle Friends, Lana, Naomi, and Riot Squad. But 
doesn't appear they're going to want to do that. And I, I get, you know, hey, there's not a lot of women in the division. You want to get get them some wins. But doing it over a team who, you know, two weeks ago was about to step up, you know, when talking to Charlotte, it was kind of disappointing. Just more, <laughs> right. st- more stopping and starting with a lot of the people in this division. Yeah, and I know they had an excuse because of Reginald, but... It- they just got to stop taking losses. Like all these women's teams are just taking L's one after another and there's none left. Like there's only so many, right? They don't, they don't have an endless gauntlet of women that they can go through. Uh, all right. Anyway, moving on. So there was Ms. TV, Ms. and John Morrison put themselves over as veterans while criticizing Bad Bunny and complaining he's on the WrestleMania poster and they're not. Ms. said they would debut a new music video next week on Raw. They heard a preview of it, Chris, and I legitimately laughed at that. <laughs> I, I look, I'm just being honest. I, there's a lot of Miz and Morrison stuff I don't like. I actually think the majority of their stuff I don't like. I laughed out loud seeing this uh, tease of the music video. Miz then challenged Bad Bunny seemingly one-on-one at WrestleMania, which I thought was a surprise. We'll yeah. talk about that in a moment. Miz then faced Jeff Hardy. Hardy dared Miz to send Morrison backstage for a fair fight. He surprisingly agreed. It hurt me deep inside to see Miz beat Hardy relatively clean, though he did throw him into the ring post before hitting the skull-crushing finale. Hardy seems to have just completely lost his role in WWE since dropping the Intercontinental title. It's tough to see. After the match, Bad Bunny surprised Miz by cracking a guitar across his back as retribution for last week. Then he accepted the WrestleMania challenge on the mic. I still, I think 50% of me still thinks this will ultimately be a tag team match. I don't see how a singles match is better reportedly John Morrison injured his knee a couple weeks ago. So maybe they're waiting to see if he gets cleared to alter the match next week on Raw or on the Go Home Show or something like that. But Bad Bunny versus Miz one-on-one, it it just puts Bad Bunny in a really difficult spot. You know, I think the ceiling for him is probably, not the ceiling, the the bar for him is Stephen Amell. Like, if you Mm -hmm. remember, he had that singles match or maybe it was a tag team match, I forget, with WWE. And he did really well. I'm not expecting this guy to be Pat McAfee or anything like that. But if they think he can be that good, again, the Miz can carry him in a match, a singles match works. If not, this is a big missed opportunity, especially for Damian Priest, who was kind of riding on the coattails of this to become a star on Raw and him maybe not getting the ability to be ringside or maybe even be in the match. That would kind of suck because it looked like he was going to have a WrestleMania match. Yeah, I was unaware of the Morrison leg injury, so that might explain things. But yeah, there's two reasons you're doing this feud. One is Bad Bunny and the idea of bringing more eyeballs to the product. And two was to help get Damian Priest over. <laughs> and it, it, if he's not involved in it, then you've kind of gotten rid of that whole point of 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 doing that. So I guess based on what you said about Morrison, we'll have to see um, the, the hip, hip, hop, hop video uh i so like Miz and morrison i agree very hit and miss the 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 deadpan stuff is pretty funny morrison is definitely much more of the funny guy uh but the music videos i've really enjoyed they really go all in on those things i was kind of surprised they gave gave away so much of the preview clip because that seems like it's going to be the funniest part but uh i'm looking forward to that next week and good on Miz for beating a former world champion on his own like th- this was the type of build Miz up so he looks pretty good that we didn't get going into the Lashley stuff. Well, he was just champion two weeks ago. <laughs> no, but he was champion because of the way things happened, and then he lost twice and of course running away, never gotten into any offense, never got to look any good. If he had like you know 
gotten this win, you know, at some point during that, it would have, I think it would have helped Lashley then to have beaten Miz. But hey, good for Miz on, on winning this match. And uh, yeah, it's fine. And then lastly from Raw, we do have some other topics to talk about, but last from Raw, Braun Strowman fought Elias again. Shane McMahon and Elias sang a song, Braun is Stupid. <laughs> Strowman hit a missile dropkick that was kind of cool on Elias. WWE then added train sound effects to Strowman running around the ring. In terms of corniness and shittiness, it was the equivalent, if you think back a couple of years ago, of when the Usos were doing Uso Penitentiary and they slammed the bars on the screen and yeah. they were doing like some of those uh, promos like from social media, like the uh, selfie type of promos and they had those stupid graphics and stuff. This was the corniness level of that. I know some people found it funny, but I just don't think it was intentionally funny. It makes a guy who's a monster look like a joke, uh, but they did it. Uh, Strowman won with the running power slam. Shane hit him uh, with a crutch, but Strowman didn't budge. Shane then ran away, proving his knee was fine the entire time. Strowman made a challenge for WrestleMania. Shane accepted, saying Strowman could pick any match he wanted, which I thought was really interesting that Shane would be the one to kind of allow that to just happen. Uh, Strowman's two promos that he cut, one before the match, one after the match, they were actually decent because they were short and to the point. And then, as I mentioned earlier, he went on Raw Talk and absolutely crushed a promo that was easily the best of his entire WWE career. I don't have the audio. I couldn't fi find it cut so that I could then kind of jack it and, you know, and steal it. Hello. Um, but but uh, it was great. And I do suggest going back. I don't always tell you guys that you need to watch Talking Smack and Raw Talk. You should watch the last Raw Talk. It was very good. Anyway, we got Strowman and Shane for WrestleMania, as we expected. And apparently there's going to be a stipulation. I'm actually kind of pretty curious to see what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we said at the time when this started, even how messy everything was with Shane, we were saying, hey, they'll get a WrestleMania match. Shane will get thrown around, fall off of something. It'll be entertaining. And I think that's what we're going to end up getting. The, so there's a couple things to unpack here. The song that Shane sang with Elias, I actually thought it was pretty funny. And, and, and Shane put like a lot of effort into it, trying to hit the notes and stuff like that. It was it was a lot. It was much, much, much better than the promo Shane has been cutting the last couple of weeks. Singing a song, making fun of somebody is easy way to get some cheap heat. Uh, so it was good. It was fine. I liked it. The train thing. I actually had that exact thought before they did it. I was like, what if there was like a train noise? I don't think the execution was there. It was really corny. Wouldn't be surprised if they pull it. I don't blame them for trying it. You know, see how it, see how it goes. I think it'd work great in like if you did like a cinematic type of match that that would fit. Didn't really fit here. And then the last part is Braun talking. And I have not seen Raw talk, so I can't speak to that promo. But something I've really kind of taken away from the last couple of weeks is that Braun responding to Shane this big, strong guy responding to Shane, making fun of him, responding with promos makes him look kind of lame. Like he's a big dude. Just go beat him up or try to beat him up. Why are you agreeing to another match with Elias? Just go beat the crap out of this dude. Um, so that's been kind of weird. I guess they're going to at least keep having Shane run away and Braun can't get to him or something like that. Like they did a couple weeks ago. Could keep doing that. He can't get his hands on him. Can't get his hands on him. Finally, WrestleMania is going to be able to get his hands on him. Again, it's weird the way Shane set it up to do that, but I think the match will be good. So there was some good, some bad, probably no more on the train noise. 
Yeah, I mean, they'll probably keep doing it at least through WrestleMania or as long as they're in the Thunderdome. But I mean, once that's over, you got to get rid of that shit. A couple more topics WWE related before we get out of here. Plus, we do have some DMs coming, as I promised. WWE announced Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil will be hosting WrestleMania. So look, I get it. Um, They're both from Tampa and the general area. Hogan is the most recognizable name in wrestling, even to this day. Titus is a great community activist for WWE and a Florida Gator. So that's double great for him, of course, the the former Thaddeus Bullard uh, under Steve Spurrier. He used to play a defensive line. Also, the host gig is nothing. And it's really nothing to get that worked up about considering you hardly normally when you have these host gigs. See the people, usually see them once, maybe twice, and that's it. But man, I don't know if calling this tone deaf is appropriate, but it feels like WWE is really force-feeding an unnecessary rehabilitation of Hogan's image by pairing him with a black man. Like with Rob Gronkowski actually playing in Tampa Bay now, and that happened after his appearance at WrestleMania, I'd have him back. Like, why would you not just have Gronk reprise his host role? The crowd would pop huge for him, especially since a lot of these people are going to be local. I know you can't get Tom Brady, but the idea of maybe even having them in a suite or something during WrestleMania, I think would be a massive win for WWE. Instead, they're going with Hogan because he's a big name and able to say he's local. And Titus isn't going to interest anyone. I mean, I I love the guy. He's a great dude. I've talked to him numerous times. And again, I'm I'm personally a fan of his because I'm a Gator, but like no one's going to pop because Titus O'Neil is the host. So to me, this just felt like really forced and hey, look, it's Hogan and a black guy. And and come on, like you have such an important show and that's really the direction you're going. When you could use Bailey or you could use Billy Kay or maybe them together or or I don't know, some other really entertaining people that you have on your roster. Instead, you're going with Hogan and Titus. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I don't want to speak for Titus O'Neil and any obviously black wrestler on how they feel about Hogan. Obviously, Big E and the New Day. He's one of the people I should just note, along with Big E, since this is what you're about to yeah. say or, or whatever, that didn't really accept Hogan's apology. Right. So I don't know how that's all playing. You know, they spoke out about that at the time, kind of when he first got brought back. I'd recommend going and looking up exactly what they said and how they feel. It's it's you're right, because the host is such an inconsequential thing. What is the real purpose of it? Are are you using it to pitch it to advertisers? You're not using it in the in the promos to to sell it on Peacock, really. I I mean, is the crowd really going to pop that much for him as opposed to somebody else are already there? They're already at WrestleMania. It just seems like an unnecessary thing to do. Call it image rehabilitation or whatever. It's. You just you still haven't gotten Hulk Hogan to to really deliver that apology and really attempt to at least show the attempts to really make amends and show growth from a situation. It's all from the beginning. It's almost always been trying to make excuses on things. And WWE has now periodically brought it back into the picture. I I, I don't get it. No, no, not a great idea. Uh, Eric Bischoff is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Look, like him or not, another deserved honor. It was strange that he was not set to be inducted with the NWO. So now it will be on the same show, but a separate induction somehow. Uh, I don't 
necessarily like Bischoff. I never really did because I was a WWE guy in the Attitude Era, and he was trying to shut them down in reality. But in kayfabe, I loved his TV character in WCW, so I was always a fan of him on screen in WCW. I But I did also hate him as the Raw general manager. Now, that was not a time when I was actively watching WWE, but when I went back to like watch all of the shows I missed and I saw that he was Raw GM, I had like a visceral like reaction, even though it was at the time, I think 15 years later of like, oh, I can't believe they're, they made Eric Bischoff the Raw GM. Uh, so, you know, again, not the biggest fan, but there's absolutely no question that he's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. And you got to say, like Vince McMahon, for being rivals with Bischoff and rivals with Heyman, although a little bit less so, he really kind of like, not took him under his wing, but like put his arm around them and said, look, there's still a place for you guys in wrestling. Heyman, no doubt. Heyman is one of the most talented, you know, non-wrestlers in, re- in the history of professional wrestling. But, you know, Vince gave Eric Bischoff numerous opportunities to work for WWE when there was really no reason to do so. After the beginning, you know, right after it closed. Yeah, and I, I think what it came down to, as it often does with Vince, is, hey, there's a chance to make money here. Right. And, and so people come together over that. I, I Bischoff is obviously deserving. I also thought he might be with the NWO thing. I, I was, my honestly, my first reaction um, to this announcement was, oh, this is kind of surprising considering Bischoff has recently made multiple appearances on AEW. I, right. I, I, he's not part of AEW, but clearly he has been involved from time to time on things. The, the press conference, the MJF uh, Jericho press conference or whatever it was. Um, and then the debate they did, a couple of uh, the Orange Cassidy Jericho debate. Um, so that honestly, that was my first reaction was, oh, I guess I guess it's OK if he's been around AEW for a little bit. But yeah, well deserving and um, you know, good for him. I think any there's a large group of people over in AEW that WWE doesn't like mind so much. It's like Bischoff, because they're not all really in AEW. Bischoff and DDP are really the two that I'm talking about. And the others, it's all almost like, well, anyone wrestling over there, we don't want to talk about, which is fair. And there's other guys like like Arn Anderson, right? And um, I think uh, Dean Malenko is backstage as well. Where it's like, look, they're just, it's wrestling. It's the industry and they have jobs. And I think that's kind of like, hey, look, Bischoff's getting paid a couple times to make some appearances. But, you know, he's not screwing us over. He's not telling them trade secrets or anything like that, right? So I think because of that, um, WWE doesn't seem to have a problem with it. But I did think that was interesting as well. The other thing that was interesting, during Raw on Monday, did you notice there was randomly like, and NWO, like the way NWO used to cut into broadcasts on WCW and WWE a little bit as well, they aired like a package that was like 30 seconds and they had the screen of like paid advertisement for, by the NWO or I forgot what the terminology of that is. And then they aired like an old NWO clip of Hogan and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And on commentary, they mentioned that NWO is going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame this year from 2020, but they didn't really spend time on it. My point in mentioning all of this is when they put that screen up, the NWO screen, I tweeted this. I got worked for like 10 seconds. Like I was like, wait a minute, are they bringing the NWO back? And I got to say, the idea of someone bringing the NWO back, I know it's an old faction, 
But if they did it right, man, it could be really exciting. Like Ali, for example, now that Retribution's dead. I was going to say. Actually figuring out people that are major names in the company or bringing back people into the company that WWE's fired previously and starting the NWO. I don't think there's big enough names out there that where it would actually work and make sense. But the general idea of it kind of got my juices flowing, I got to say. I don't want them to bring back the NWO brand. I, I think it would not that it would tarnish it, but I think everybody would, it would feel kind of corny. They've tr- tried to bring it back several times and it never quite worked. I will say, though, you talk about the screen. One of my favorite things Retribution did was that one episode of Raw where they broke into the production truck right. and things just kept changing. Like and that was like really cool. Now, that's the type of thing you kind of wanted to see more of. They were they were so hit and miss with what they could do with retribution. But but there were instances like that where maybe something the NWO had done uh, worked out. So no, don't bring back the NWO unless unless you want to, unless maybe we want to rebrand retribution as the NWO. I don't know. The, to make the, idea of like, the idea of like Scott Hall coming in, not Scott Hall, I'm sorry, Kevin Nash coming in and like mentoring Dijak. Oh yeah, but this or, is the, or, oh wait, wait. Or wait. Ali and then kind of like saying, hey, you know, have you ever considered bringing it back? And then like all of a sudden he comes back as like the Ric Flair, like figurehead, like an evolution type of deal. Um, and I don't know. I just, I think there's something there that they could, it, the problem is you can't trust Raw to get it right. You can't trust Raw to right. get anything right. But I think the general idea of NWO returning or an offshoot of it, like the world order, or I don't even know, something else. The newer I, world order. <laughs> newer world order. Um, newest world order. I, I just think there could be something there, but yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's just tough to trust Raw. I'll just year. say the idea of Kevin Nash, bringing Kevin Nash back to mentor somebody is the exact sort of thing they're doing in AEW that you don't like. No, no, I don't like it because they do it too much. <laughs> sure. There's like seven different people mentoring other people. Having one person do that in WWE is totally fine. Having one person do it in <laughs> AEW is totally fine. Like Tully working with FTR 100% works for me, but having them and Jake the Snake and this person and... and Vicky Guerrero for no reason with Nyla Rose when Vicky was never even a wrestler and like all this shit. It's, it's just too much, but to do one person in WWE. Yeah, it would be great. And I think if it's a big man for a big man like that, kind of like the Jake Roberts and Lance Archer thing, then I think it would work, but whatever. The, my point is the NWO screen, it popped me. Uh, one last thing before we get to our DMS, I just wanted to give a shout out to Eric Bugenhagen, also known as Rick Boogs. So I've been a fan of this guy. Since he he debuted in NXT a couple years ago, he hasn't really been on TV, but he was the animated guy in the Performance Center during all of those shows at the beginning of the pandemic that was always on the camera side, opposite the camera side, and was always cheering and going crazy and making noise. That's Rick Boogs, right? He was the uh, Old Spice guy in the commercial that ran during WWE Fastlane. And for a guy that hasn't done anything in a year... I was just kind of happy that he got that opportunity. He won the 24-7 title. So like that counts for something. And, you know, I don't know if this is a role that he's going to have for a while. You'll remember WWE did those KFC spots where different wrestlers were Colonel Sanders. So maybe this was a one-time thing or maybe he will be this character in commercials for a month or two months or whatever. But just the fact that he's getting work again and he's actually able to do stuff is pretty cool. This guy is jacked. Now, in the ring, he was still really green. And they were using him a lot in the Florida loop for NXT house shows. And they haven't been able to do those in over a year. So that's partially why we haven't seen a lot from him. 
But this is a guy I'm really high on, and I just kind of wanted to say it today, March 23rd, 2021. Rick Boogs is someone that everyone should be watching. I hope he has a long career in WWE. And I hope this is just the very first step to that. Well, one other person to give a shout out to and who we could see is um, uh, Gable Stevenson, wrestler yes. at the University of Minnesota, won a national championship over the weekend. He is he has been a longtime fan of WWE. He has talked about wanting to be in WWE. There's a clip of him and Brock Lesnar training at the University of Minnesota from a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, Stevenson won his national championship this weekend, did a, did a backflip type of thing after he won. And then the other day, he tweeted a, a waving hand emoji and tagged Vince McMahon. So he clearly wants to move into that space. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on. It's the Stevenson brothers and the Casper brothers, both NCAA amateur wrestling brothers, who uh, I think the Caspers are both signed to WWE and Gable Stevenson's brother is signed to WWE. They're waiting to see if, see if Gable competes in the Olympics and whether he just does one or two or yeah. whatever they end up doing. But this guy, as Trent would say, uh, Trent being the guy from Swingers, not the wrestler in AEW, personality plus for Gable Stevenson. This guy has it all. And you make a great point. Um, the waving emoji to Vince McMahon, clearly he is ready to go hopefully sooner than later. But I do, I would love to see him compete for our country, of course, at the Olympics. To WWE, maybe they can start training him, but they can give him a break in between. Obviously, you don't, don't want to risk injury uh, if he's going to be in the Olympics. But I want to see this guy uh, both in the Olympics and in WWE. There have been some huge signings in WWE recently. The Caspers, as I mentioned, I think Gable Stevenson's brother, Parker Bordeaux, the guy that Paul Heyman's been really high on. And I think it's Rick Steiner's son. Yeah. Um, they signed as well. So there's like six big ass, big meaty men who hopefully will be slapping meat on a WWE television screen near you. So those are the main topics for the show. As I said, I do have two DM slides before we get out of here. Kentucky Long Rifle, what is it, No, it's not, John. They are actually DM slides on Twitter. The first from at underscore Black Sabre Jr. He says, with fans in attendance for the first time after a year of produced piped in cheers, can you imagine any surprising reactions when everything is live? For example, I can see a smarky pro Roman reaction flying in the face of his current heel booking. So it's a great question. I think it's really tough to say. Reigns, if he is in the match one-on-one with Edge, I think there may be a chance of that. But with Brian being in that match, he will get the face cheers. We're expecting it to be a triple threat. And I think Reigns will get booed and Edge will get a mix. Edge will probably mostly get cheered. If anyone else was to garner such a reaction, it would be Lashley, who I know fans are really excited he's champion. And it's not that they're tired of Drew, but by putting Drew over Lashley at WrestleMania, even though fans did not get the opportunity to celebrate him last year, it would feel very Roman-esque in that he's getting pushed in spite of other people being over. So I could see it with him and maybe with Jey Uso, just because he's been so great that maybe fans really get behind him. But other than McIntyre, I don't really see any faces potentially getting booed. And I certainly hope it doesn't happen with him. The only person where I really think the crowd will give an opposite reaction to is if Charlotte's in the match with Rhea Ripley and Asuka and they present her as a face. Yeah. I think they'll boo the hell out of her. Yeah, that's probably the only one. I, I'm really, really interested to see what the reaction to Roman will be because I, I think we've said for a while 
if you turn him heel, eventually he's going to get cheers because he's so damn cool. And he's so damn cool. I've been curious. I've been so curious how fans would react to him right now. Would, would they, would they boo him? Like they know they're supposed to boo him. Like NXT, you know, gets that benefit of the doubt from the fans. I think SmackDown has deserved it, but you never know with the WWE crowd. I'm, I, I think Roman's been on such a, a run. Everybody loves what he's doing. I'm really curious to see what that reaction is going to be. I do think Brian will get cheered. I do think Edge will get cheered. I think it's possible Roman gets cheered. So that's honestly one of the most thing, one of the things I'm most looking forward to is what a live crowd reaction is to heal Roman Reigns now that they finally have it. It's yeah, everyone has to remember this WrestleMania is going to be very different from most WrestleManias. First of all, much smaller group of fans, we know that due to the pandemic. But there's going to be significantly fewer, if not mostly zero, international fans. And international fans that come over stateside are definitely closer to the smarky IWC type of fans where they're going to boo the faces and cheer the heels. You've heard Michael Cole say it on Raw. You know, the Raw after WrestleMania. This show is always so different. It's opposite world where the, the, the good guys get booed and the bad guys get cheered. It's wild here in the WWE universe. Well, that's largely because the crowd that visits for WrestleMania week is a lot of smarky fans where it's the only show they go to for the entire year and or they pay to travel and they want, they're really hardcore wrestling fans. And those are fans that are online and, and they all kind of follow each other and mimic each other. And I think with that not being how this fan base is going to be made up, you're going to get a much more natural WWE desired reaction from your matches. Don't forget also, they've been watching this product on TV and the Thunderdome has existed for an extremely long time at this point. So you're getting the piped in cheers cheering the right people that WWE wants to be cheered and booing the people that they don't, that are supposed to be heels. So I think the conditioning of the crowd will be almost to the point where we're not going to see reactions like that. Yeah, we'll see. So I did promise multiple DMs in this segment, but I'm reading the other one right now from P. Turnigan. I'm actually going to save it for our AEW and NXT episodes since it does have to do with NXT UK on WrestleMania weekend. So it doesn't really fit this show. We've also had a pretty full show today. So I will save that P Turnigan. You will hear it on Thursday's show, you know, and, and we'll finish up with that Black Sabre Jr. DM. I appreciate you guys writing in. Don't forget, you can always send us DMs. You can just tweet us questions over on our Twitter account at Getting Overcast that you absolutely need to follow. The other thing you need to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop a five-star rating and review to let people know how much you love this show. It is WrestleMania season. WrestleMania week is going to be stacked. We're going to have at a minimum of three WWE slash NXT episodes, maybe for that week. That's not even counting potential interviews. It's going to be an absolutely crazy next two plus weeks on the road to WrestleMania. And I'm so excited to present them all to you as the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is now just over one year old. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you all join us for the ride. Don't forget to follow Chris Vanini on Twitter at Chris Vanini. You can follow the Silver King at Silverstein Adam. We will be back Thursday talking all things NXT and AEW. And then we'll be back once again on Tuesday to talk all things WWE on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So with that, it is time for the Silver King to say goodbye. And I'm going to do that with just three final words. Bye for now.